Welcome to another episode of Knock Your Socks Off. Dan Gundry here, the host. I'm here with Paul Metzheiser, managing director, managing partner of Tamco. In a minute, we're going to talk to Paul, but first and foremost, I want to say thank you to our friends at Starin uh, and AV on the Air, live here at Infocom, uh, which is the mecca of trade shows for the commercial AV, uh, at least in North America. No, nothing taking away from ISE over in Barcelona, for sure. But, Paul, I want to thank you for coming in. I've known you for... At least a few years. Yes. Um, and when I first heard what you guys do and what you're evangelizing in the marketplace around AV as a service, technology as a service, uh, I, I was captivated. I, I really grasped onto it. I love this concept, but I'm not going to try to say it as well as you do. So talk to me a little bit about Tamco. Talk to me a little bit about AV as a service. Sure, sure. Thanks, Dan. First of all, thanks for having me here today. Really excited. And, you know, Tamco started 30 years ago. Uh, business phone systems. That That was our our bread and butter, and we align with business phone system integrators to help them sell more equipment and services at the point of sale. And real quick story, about 15 years ago, we saw uh, the premise-based PBXs and key systems giving way to hosted and cloud. And we said, wow, where does our model align and where can we add value? So we had a sunset that uh, because cloud and hosted actually did take over. And we aligned ourselves with the AV integrators and the security integrators as well. So we're in both sectors there. And so what we do is we help integrators make that pivot from the traditional CapEx cash one-time project-based sale to bundling those services and packaging that through a subscription. And it's it's a, almost like a termed rental, but it can be as long as, as 60 months. The outcome for the integrator is building RMR, right? And it's it's amazing. I've you know I've had a really good two days here, met with a lot of integrators, and the common theme is they all have a managed service offering. Uh, they all can stand behind their SLAs. They all know they can make 40, 50, 60 percent gross margin, but they're having a really tough time selling it in the old way in a cash environment. So we meet with leaders that really want to make a pivot to almost flip the script to more of a service model and pull through all these wonderful products and applications. And the value to the end user customer as well around this is what? Because I I describe it as you now have an operational asset, yeah. right, versus a depreciating asset. But I know that's a tagline. Tell me more about that. Sure, sure, sure. And, and you know, it has to obviously be good for the customer, right? right? So um, if you look at it from a business perspective, um, all of these applications are non-revenue generating. Are they essential use? Absolutely. Some are mission critical, control rooms. Sure. Um, even on the security side, you know, protecting our, our assets, our employees, our customers, our, our, our you know, intellectual property. Um, but there's a difference. There's a difference between something and taking money and it getting giving a return versus an application of efficiency or protection. That, that's number one. Number two, if you look at a bill of materials, in these solutions, there's more non-recoverable cost than recoverable cost. So if we had our own business and we knew that, and the day after it was installed, there was maybe only about 30 or 40% of hardware because everything else is gone, software, installation, margin, all those things, it's not really a good use of after-tax capital. And last but not least from a customer's perspective is these technologies are moving at a rapid pace. So when you pay cash and you own it, you're taking on all the research and developments of all these wonderful manufacturers that are here today. So it makes a lot of good business sense from the customer's perspective. And then if there's that 
you know, a certain programs like ours that allow them to move in and out of technology throughout that service. It just gives them greater peace of mind, control, and flexibility. So, and I would, and I would argue there's another component from an integrator and an end user perspective, which is always around the capital campaign to raise something, approve something in order to get something done. And, uh, if you're talking about a small type of system, a, a huddle room such as this, that's one thing. But when you start talking about larger systems and control rooms can be very complex and, and larger systems and expensive systems, this provides a, a, an avenue to get it done sooner and with that level of support and services that are required in a space like that. So let's pivot a little bit. Sure. Talk about the space I love. And realistically, the name of this podcast is not AV anything. It's control rooms, which sure. is you know a, a focus within there. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to include you in the conversation, Paul, was we're seeing two shifts in our market, which is larger integrated fusion type centers. And the other way is completely divergent from that in the opposite direction, which is smaller types of knocks and socks and, and control rooms. And, and those are being stood up for a variety of reasons, risk management, uh, disciplines. Um, you know, the pandemic taught us, you know, if one person gets sick, that exposure can really wreck. So, yeah. um, so for all, lots of different reasons, disaster recovery, redundancy. I think that model, as customers are starting to stand it up, if they want to do it quicker, more efficiently, and get that space up and running to do its job sooner, that control rooms as a service or technology as a service is viable because yeah. yeah. the the are you you know do you have any data on planning to execution in terms of capital that it takes to raise for a million dollar project that's yeah. got to be incredible it really does and, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because you know we actually as an industry have trained the buyer to budget we've and so there's there's now there's a, a whole different kind of pivot in education that has to go on Usually annually, you know, they're going to try to prepare and it's just a lot easier to do that. And again, a million dollars back into the company to give a return in some other way. It's usually a pretty easy discussion. And I, I learned about this about four or five years ago when we first met and we were talking about it. Um, but here we are five years later and it's not commonplace. Yeah. It's, it's not the industry standard. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's, it's um, a AV and, and this sector um, I would say has been slow to the take. And, um, you know, we, we do things as humans for a certain period of time, change becomes a little bit of a challenge. And uh, there's a, grow, a, a growing minority that has recognized that um, I have to make a pivot. I have to make a change to do this. So I think a lot of it is education. And it's interesting, we as an organization work with integrators and they'll bring us in to have a end customer discussion. We have a very high close rate when we're involved in those calls. And what does that tell us? It tells us that the customers are ready for it. It makes sense. Um, I'm not sure we're at a point where they're asking for it, although I heard a couple of uh, cases here this week that they were, which great. is great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, the push, sure. the push and the pull. Um, so if we're, if we're presenting it logically, it really is for those three reasons, the non-recoverable costs, non-revenue generating, and technology moving at a rapid pace, it's really hard for a customer to say, and I don't think, I don't think that's true. Yeah. And so we, I think my point here is that all customers have procured this way in other sectors. For sure. So it's just now we're kind of trying to catch up here. Yeah, it started printers back in the day. It's, but even you're seeing network hardware being done this way. It's actually been done probably longer than that. 
Uh, we always talk about security and AV are very closely aligned. Yes. I think they're they they've been struggling with this concept a little bit, but I think I've seen that shift. They're they're adopting it better. You're right. AV we're a lot old older school that way. Um, so you were in the audience yesterday on a panel discussion yes. that I was on talking about control rooms. And one of the subjects kind of veered, or at least one of the panelists, I think, a good friend of mine. So no, no offense, Nick, on this answer. Um, <laughs> the, the term future proofing came up, you know, uh, network based video wall processing in control rooms is a future proofed technology. And, and you had a question about that. Talk to me about that. Cause I'm, I think I'm team Paul on this. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took note to that because uh, about five minutes earlier, we were talking about how much the control room technology has advanced in the past three years. And I do think I know what he meant as far as up to the point, but um, it's constantly evolving. I mean, again, these manufacturers are um, have a lot of time, money, and capital to create new technologies. And with AI um, and, and, and the impact of AI or the unknown of AI, it's just something again that that I think customers uh, are, are trying to prepare for from that standpoint. So my question was about to be, if it's moved at this pace in the past three years, what's it going to look like in the next three years? Right. Uh, and and so I, and again, I'm not going to counter argue that point uh, in, in the affirmative. Uh, I know where Nick was coming from with that comment, and I agree with what Nick was saying. But also, I definitely agree with this. The, the term future proofing is very overused in the industry uh, and isn't, uh, you know, on face value, it's it's not a, a completely a genuine statement, a genuine statement. So the 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 other concept that I've, I've been talking about a lot this week and, you know, you're you're kind of this umbrella and I'll explain that in a minute is I see three parts of a, of a control room. I see the front end discovery, subject matter expertise. We can come into a, to a client say, hey, this is what I saw last week, last month, whatever, you should do it this way. Manufacturers that are all here, including the one I work for, who I'm not going to mention here now, I'm not allowed to, uh, contractually so, not really, um, is the, they, they provide the, the tool sets and they're making it easier to deploy. Sure. Right. The back end is where I think there's another differentiation between control rooms and um, AV. So an, an, an AV integrator right now is sometimes, and I don't want to, ge I'm, I'm generalizing here, is sometimes not providing that backend support. Break fix, sure, roll a truck when I need to, what have you. Um, they're missing revenue. And there's the other word that you like to talk about too, which is sticky. Yeah. yeah. Talk about yeah. missed revenue opportunities and sticky. Yeah. And and so that's a, a big opportunity. You look at the, the world we live in today, Dan, and, and all the challenges that are out there. You have inflation. You have a high cost of money. We went through supply chain issues that just made everyone's hair gray. Those are three things that you couldn't control. If you have a service offer and you can sell that each time, that's something you can control. And the outcome and the value stickiness, three years, five years of RMR, contractual, again, and then opportunities within that, those, those that time frame to expand. but. Obviously, control rooms are mission critical. So I don't know how you couldn't tie yeah. services to that. But again, that is your customer from a, from a sticky standpoint. And then, you know, what we do is we have another level of stickiness in that obsolescence protection. So they have to go back to the original partner. Right. I think the, the integrators and control rooms and even some of the smaller ones that we talked about, um, 
uh, this is a huge opportunity. It, it really is. And, and to kind of, you know, flip the script that it's more about the experience and the support uh, from that standpoint. And I, I know it's more of making sure from a safety standpoint or whatever it might be, but having that ability to respond and, and provide that service, I, I think is just an upside for them and part of the offering. I don't know how you could not have it part of the offering. Right. And, and again, We've been focused on the, the value and the process to an integrator, but again, for the end users out there, uh, it's predictability oh, right. of, of expenses. Uh, it's confidence that when something fails, you don't have to worry about scrambling. It's going to get taken care of. You have the obsolescence conversation, upgrade path, uh, and, and the rest of those bundled services that, are, that an integrator, those values that they bring as well. So there's tremendous value for the end user customers. Absolutely. And, and the reason why, why, why I say that again is as an AV integrator, as a control room integrator, as a security integrator, your customer is not going to resist this as much as you may think yeah. they're going to resist this. I, I completely agree. And it's, it's so uh, amazing how many sales representatives want to play judge and jury on who it's going to work for or if they're going to want service. Yep. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of uh, integrator principals and leadership, I ask the question, who actually makes the decision on whether or not multi-year service or managed services is included in the proposal? And I get a lot of eyeball rolling <laughs> uh, that, that that basically they're leaving it up to them. And again, it's it's a, the highest margin product, the stickiness, the outcome, but it's not something. And part of that reason, I think, is some salespeople, with all due respect, feel that it's going to inflate their price and it's not going to be apples to apples. And I think if it's articulated and mapped out clearly, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I met with an integrator yesterday. He is one of our partners and, and he is at a 2.0 phase. And what I mean by that is he said, Paul, starting you know August 1st, um, if they don't go with services, multi-year services, I'm walking from the deal. I think that's great. That That's near and dear. Um, so I, I've been also advocating around the control room space with a lot of these AV integrators who you know, for whatever reason, are not actively pursuing those opportunities. And the, the what, I, what I tell them is that your your account managers, your salespeople are walking past the million-dollar control room yeah. to sell the $10,000 huddle room space. And there's, again, not taking anything away from everything that's here, but that's a huge missed opportunity um, for you as a company, uh, for them as individuals, and for the actual end user because you can't deliver your value to them. And I think they do it primarily for, and I'll tie it back in. They do it out of fear that they don't know what they're talking about. Right. But first and foremost, they do it out of ignorance that the space even exists. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll translate that here. They're fearful of having a different conversation with their customer, but most importantly, they're ignorant that they should have a uh, the, the, the conversation with their customer. Fair? Yeah, 100%. And I think the answer to that is that you don't have to be the expert in everything. The word integrator takes on a whole new meaning. Um, integrate, maybe leverage expertise of people you know, like you and other folks that provide services. A lot of times we'll have these conversations, well, Paul, I'm not really comfortable with my entire service offering. And or basically what they're saying is, can I stand behind my SLAs? But there's a lot of third party. So when you integrate products, integrate services, there's a lot of, you know, first response level response that can help you there. And then, you know, from an integrator standpoint, us too, on the means of procurement, you don't have to be the expert on an as a service right away. 
you could leverage us from that standpoint. So I think full circle is that there's so many resources out here to help you if you don't have the expertise and bring them in, you know, and trust. Yeah, for sure. Um, any final words you want to impart to the audience on the concepts of AV as a service and, and changing their, their mindsets around this? Yeah, I, I guess the, the one thing I, I want to leave anybody that's considering this or I hear the word, well, it hasn't really taken off. And, and if you're waiting for the customer to ask, you're going to be behind, uh, number one. Number two, you have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And the worst case scenario is the customer says, sounds really good, Dan, but I think I'm just going to pay cash like they always have. Um, but if you emphasize the services and the stickiness, you can increase your managed services take rate to seven out of 10 times versus the one out of 10 times. And that's the average that we hear, by the way, one out of 10 are captured multi-year service. Now that could be different in the control room because there might be a requirement to do that. Yeah. So I, those are the two things that, you know, don't be afraid of it. Have the conversation, give us a call or give someone else a call to learn more about it. But I think that the time is now to flip the script and to have the mindset of I'm a services company first. And oh, by the way, I'm going to pull through all these wonderful products that are here, all the wonderful products that are in my portfolio with a tremendous amount of upside to your organization. And I think a tr tremendous amount of value and control and flexibility that you give to your customer that a cash or a CapEx offering doesn't provide. Uh, I, I totally agree. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the concept. Um, disappointed in my industry that we haven't adopted it we'll sooner, get. but we're absolutely going to get there. So, Paul, thank you for joining me very much again live here at Infocom. Thank you to Starin. Thank you to Logitech uh, and AV on the air. So we'll talk to you next time. See you. See you.